Welcome to NB Baby, the show that is all about parenting for new parents and new little humans. Today we are going to talk about the end of pregnancy and why it can feel like it takes a million years. And we're also going to talk a little bit about a special giraffe named Johari and a guy named Jacob who made a really big difference in the world lately. Okay, so if you have been living under a rock lately or, you know, just in hibernation from the pandemic, you may not have heard about Johari the giraffe. You might remember a couple years ago, there was a big internet sensation about a giraffe named April. And the big thing about that was that she was pregnant and her birth and last weeks of pregnancy was, I guess last months of pregnancy even, was live streamed by the adventure park where she lives. Um, So the park that we're talking about is Animal Adventure Park in Binghamton, New York. And yes, it is in the United States, and that kind of goes against my whole United States rule of not bringing that into NB Baby, but um, I am a huge fan of Animal Adventure Park and everything that they do, and I've been following April uh, through both Tajiri and Azizi's birth, R.I.P. Azizi, and um, I, of course, tuned in and discovered that Johari May be pregnant I'll get into that in a minute and uh, ever since I heard that about a month and a half ago I have been tuning in faithfully every day and every night watching YouTube waiting to see if she will have her baby when I say maybe pregnant um, I have to say that because according to the park and the park's owner Jordan Patch all of the testing that they've done to determine if she actually is pregnant has come back inconclusive. So the blood tests, the fecal tests, everything they've done so far has just come back and been like, mm, yeah, she might be, she might not be. So they're not really sure. And when they tried to do an ultrasound, she wouldn't have any of it. So um, long story short of it is she might be pregnant and if she is, they're thinking that the, um, I mean, that she's due any time now. And if you certainly are watching her like I am, um, you would have to agree with the consensus that she looks and acts like a pregnant giraffe. Um, I've been watching April through all, uh, through both of her last births, um, so back in 2017 and again in 2019, and uh, I'm not a giraffe expert by any means. But I can tell you that Johari definitely does look and act like a pregnant giraffe. <laughs> um, so I, I bring this up because <clears throat> it might not be super useful to those of you as new parents, but I find it quite interesting. Um, I also have a couple friends and a couple clients who are currently pregnant in the ninth month and at the last home stretch feeling like this is never going to come and they're going to be pregnant forever. And uh, I, I found it kind of interesting to be able to, to give them some fun facts about giraffe pregnancy versus human pregnancy. Um, because when you look at it from a giraffe perspective, we humans have it pretty good. <laughs> so fun fact number one, 
uh, giraffe pregnancies last from 14 to 16 months of gestation. That means once a giraffe is pregnant, they are pregnant for a year and about a quarter, maybe? A year and a season? So an entire year, basically, and a little bit. So over a year. Um, so between 14 and 16 months. So we always say, okay, well, if you're human and you're pregnant, you're, you're due somewhere between 38 and 42 weeks. In humans, we can count in weeks, but in giraffes, we count in months. So fun fact number one, giraffes are pregnant for a very, very, very long time and almost half as long, almost double the amount of time that a human is pregnant. Um, and fun fact number two, a giraffe baby, when it's born, is expected to weigh about 150 pounds and stand at least six feet tall. So not only are you waiting for 14 to 16 months for this baby, when it comes, it's a big baby. <laughs> it's 150 freaking pounds. That's massive. I mean, like we hear all the time about human babies and the average I think right now is about seven to eight pounds for a newborn that's around 38 weeks, um, give or take. We hear sometimes that you've got babies that are born that are you know, 12, 14 pounds and that's exceptional. That's the exception to the rule. Um, but yeah, us humans, we can't top 150 pounds in six feet. That's basically like giving birth to a full grown adult. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, there's fact number two. Uh, we can be really grateful that, you know, not only do we have a very much shorter gestation time, but uh, when it comes time to birth this baby, ours are, you know, maybe the size of our hand, maybe a little, maybe the size of our arm, and weigh maybe eight, nine pounds at max, ten probably, average. So then last but not least, fun fact number three. Giraffe babies, when they're born, have to drop from the mom onto the floor. So there is no catching a giraffe baby. Not that I would want to catch a 150-pound, six-foot giraffe that was just born, um, but there's no catching it. And that's for a really good purpose because they need that drop to be able to break the umbilical cord and um, to encourage it to take its first breath. So essentially, <laughs> fact number three, human babies get caught by soft hands, soft blankets, etc. Um, giraffe babies have to actually fall from about nine, ten feet in the air and land on their noggins so that they can start to breathe properly. So there you have it, three really good reasons why we should be really glad that we're not giraffes having babies because <laughs> our pregnancies are way shorter, our babies are way smaller, and we get to actually have a soft landing when we are born. Um, yeah, so I am sharing that with you as a really short update podcast today because I just thought it was kind of interesting. Um, and if you're interested in Johari's pregnancy, uh, you can go to youtube.com, look up Animal Adventure Park live cam Oliver and Johari. And the live cams are on 24-7. Um, sometimes they show the yard, but uh, mostly it's Johari and uh, Ollie in the background. And there's a really awesome chat group there. And th So I just want to talk a little bit about that chat group for a second, because that chat group is kind of awesome as well. 
Um, the other night, the park was doing an event called Jungle Bells, which is something that they're doing this year. There's a drive-through version, I guess, and then a, a two nights of a walk-through version. And it's kind of like a walk through the park that's holiday-themed. Anyways, they were doing their first night of Jungle Bells of the walkthrough, and this little guy named Jacob, he's the grandson of one of the chatters, he said to his grandmother, I want to donate $5 so that um, Ollie can get a lettuce donut. So like a lettuce donut is basically a bunch of lettuce um, pushed into a circle, like a donut for them as a treat. And uh, she said, okay. And so she commented about it in the chat. And then something crazy happened. The chat went bonkers. And in the space of like a couple hours, chatters from across the world managed to raise over $26,000 for the park. Not 2,600, 26,000, 26,000, just from donations to the park for these animals, which is phenomenal because Jordan runs this park out of the love of his heart. He doesn't run it for the money and it's really expensive to keep these things, these animals. He's got more than just giraffes. Um, and he is very dedicated to preserving um, species that are otherwise going to be extinct, uh, such as the giraffe. Um, so that's amazing, like a couple hours and one little guy on YouTube who just said, hey, I want to give a giraffe a donut. And then everybody was like, hey, let's give them lots of donuts. Let's give them like, you know, the entire salary of a keeper. So anyway, that's my uh, little thing about giraffes and giraffe donuts and giraffe births and hopefully you enjoyed this episode i know it's really short we'll be back with more coming up soon so welcome back after that small interlude um hopefully you guys are all smiling and maybe giggling a little bit about the interesting lives of giraffes and their pregnancy cycles. Um, In order to make this podcast episode a little more useful to you, I am going to talk a little bit about my most recent blog post, which is called 10 Useless Products Marketed to New Parents. I get asked a lot from new expecting parents what the absolute essentials that they have to have are. And it's really hard to say that specifically because every situation is unique. Every new parent is going to have their essentials that they have to have. Um, and something that's essential to me might not be essential to you. But in North America, we are exposed to a lot of marketing. A lot. There's a lot out there. And because of that, there's a lot of things that say, you can't live without this. You have to have this. And honestly, you really don't. So I came up with a list of the 10 most useless products marketed to new parents. Um, and uh, so I'll, I'll go over them with you and why I think that they're useless. If you disagree, that's fine. Uh, make sure that you comment or send us an email, nbbabystore at gmail.com. That's E-N-B-Y, babystore at gmail.com. Um, so here we go. So Number 10, wipes warmer. This is probably on every useless product list I've ever read, but I agree with it. 
so a baby wipe warmer it's an electric device looks like a wipes container but it's electric so what it does is it warms the wipes it's meant to keep your wipes warm so that you're not wiping baby tushies with freezing cold wet wipes however they go on the list of useless products because for the most part unless you live in an igloo in the arctic your home is not going to be freezing cold wipes on a changing room table most likely are going to be room temperature at least um you know you're not going to bring a wipes warmer with you in your diaper bag and you're definitely not going to turn it on to warm up wipes on the go so why would you actually need a wipes warmer like trust me unless you've just brought the wipes out of a freezing cold car there is no reason that your wipes would be so cold that they would be absolutely damaging to a child's skin it's really just another device that was invented by a well-intentioned but not apparent <laughs> um best practice just keep them at room temperature don't store them in the freezer duh um number nine pacifier and toy wipes these kind of go on the topic of wipes because they're wipes but these ones aren't specifically for tushies these ones are the little teeny tiny cute packs of wipes that are marketed specifically for cleaning pacifiers and baby toys and usually they're marketed like oh well toys and babies they always are in their mouths and they've got so many germs on them and I'm not going to disagree with that. They do have germs and such. However, these wipes, the solution that's in them is usually so full of chemicals that I would rather my child be putting natural germs in their mouth than the chemical whatever is in these wipes. Um, kids are germ factories, yeah. Um, but there's really nothing that these wipes do that a regular washcloth and a little bit of soapy water can't do. Um, there is an exception here with COVID and everything. Um, the antibacterial wipes that you keep on hand for cleaning shopping carts and public chain stations, that I can totally get behind. Uh, yeah, if you're gonna take baby out, especially right now, make sure you have some antibacterial wipes that you can wipe down the shopping cart handles or the uh, public chain station table with or such. Um, but, you know, they don't have to be anything special. They can just be the regular disinfecting wipes. Make sure that they actually say that they uh, kill 99.9% of virus and bacteria. Um, and then just don't let baby chew on the product until it's dry, right? Which if it's a shopping cart handle or a changing pad, they're not gonna be chewing on that anyway, right? Yeah. Um, number eight, okay, crib bedding sets. This one, is really interesting to me because we see so many different kinds of crib bedding sets. If you go in any department store or baby store site, they have like oodles and oodles and oodles of these adorable crib bedding sets with like matching blankets and sheets and bumpers. But every time we're told about child safety, we're told not to put anything in a child's crib except a sheet and the baby no stuffies, no blankets, no nothing. Um, so if we're not supposed to use the bumpers and the blankets and stuff, why are we being marketed to, to buy these big crib sets? So as one new parent told me, 
I bought this adorable, expensive crib set with bumpers and a dust ruffle and comforters, and there was even a tiny pillow. And I really don't think it got used once. Uh, for the first six months, we only used the crib as a laundry basket, really. <laughs> but I did get a really good picture of it. <laughs> um, so here's my suggestion. If you want to see in your nursery, that's great. Awesome. Uh, you're doing better than me. But don't go for the whole bedding set. Just match up a couple of crib sheets uh, to everything else in the nursery and you're good to go. Maybe include a small blanket that matches, but you don't need to go over the top with bumpers and dust ruffles and stuffies and all of that stuff because you don't want to put that in your crib anyway. <laughs> um, number six, bottle warmers. Now, there are two schools of thought on this, people that love them and people that don't. So regardless of how you feed your baby, and I really stress that, feed your baby, no matter how you have to do it, I don't care. Um, but anybody who has experienced babies that take bottles, a bottle warmer seems like a genius idea, you know? Um, we know that microwaves heat unevenly. If you've ever tried to reheat a coffee or a tea in the microwave and know that, you know, it's hot and burning the first sip and then the next sip is like ice cold, you know, um, but a warmer that heats all around the bottle. Well, you know what else heats evenly all around the bottle? Hot water. A bowl of hot water. Straight from the tap, hot water. If you have to, boil it in a kettle. Put it in a bowl, put the bottle in it. Hot water. It's free except for the cost of electricity and water. Does the exact same thing. You know what's not with you on the go when you're out in the car or at the restaurant? Your bottle warmer. <laughs> you know when baby's really going to be hungry and needing a bottle? When you're not at home. So, yeah, it's probably convenient, but you're not going to need it anyway. And here's the truth. Baby milk, formula, or breast milk, whichever, doesn't actually need to be warmer than room temperature. And if it's a little bit cooler than that, it's fine. They can handle it. Um... If you're using a bottle warmer and you're making sure that it's just above room temperature every time, all you're doing is training your baby to only ever drink warm milk, which means you're going to set yourself up for this milk has to be the perfect temperature every single time. There's absolutely nothing wrong with room temperature milk. That's actually a perfect temperature for them. So yeah, bottle warmers, number six, useless. Number five. So this is the middle of my list. And this is the one thing that has a lot of eyebrows getting raised when they read it. But I have some really good reasons for this. So listen up. Number five of my useless products marketed to parents is the changing table. Yeah, the change table. Yeah, you heard me. So it really is one of those things that's up there on every new parent shopping list. Need a crib, need a change table, need a car seat, need, you know, need a crib mattress, etc. But I'm telling you, the change table, not necessary. For the most part, a change table is pretty useless unless you have a really small house um, and you're always going to be changing diapers in the bedroom. Um, a dedicated change table really has no purpose other than to store diapers and changing necessities and have a flat surface for a change pad to lay on. But babies are only in diapers for two to three years, so once they've outgrown diapers, the change table is essentially useless. The smarter thing to do here is to create several small change stations in the more common areas of your house. So maybe your living room or TV room and 
um, like if that's in the basement, maybe a small one in your bedroom, um, and then a small one in their nursery room as well. Um, just, you know, wherever you're spending the most amount of time, that makes sense to have a changing station because you're going to be changing them there. Unless you have a tiny house where you know that you're going to be able to go to their bedroom every single time. But even then, I still think, you know, you can do better than a dedicated change table. Invest your money on a low dresser with a flat top. Then you can put a change pad on the top of the dresser. You've got drawers for storage and organization of everything. And after you're done with diapers, it's a dresser that will last a lot longer than two to three years. Just my thoughts. Number four. Uh, we're still talking about diapers, so let's move on to this one. Diaper bags. Um, I'm not saying that you don't need a diaper bag. Babies have a lot of gear. They do. You know, and going out without a diaper bag or something to carry their gear in is probably just in asking for trouble. However, I might be an anomaly. In my life, I've never paid more than $50 for a purse or a bag. Now, I know there are people out there that spend 250 300 even thousands of dollars on purses and bags and etc. that are designer. I've never been one of those people. Uh, probably never will be. If you are, all the power to you. But even if you aren't, you're marketed to when you're getting ready for a new baby to buy these fancy diaper bags that are like hundreds of dollars. Like honestly, I like unless you're looking at a really cheap, cheap, cheap plastic bag that's not gonna last, I've have a hard time finding diaper bags under a hundred dollars. Just because they're diaper bags. And we're then we're told it's a necessity, you have to have a diaper bag. Well, I'm not really sure what a two hundred and fifty dollar diaper bag does that my twenty five dollar backpack doesn't do. Um when I was nannying full-time, I just often carried a backpack with a small change pad inside and a change of clothes and a spare diaper or two. It was big enough that I could throw my wallet into it and I was good to go, you know? Um, actually, something really smart was the parents that use those little toddler backpacks, you know, the cute ones that have like animals on them. Um, they use the toddler backpacks as a diaper bag. So it's still baby's bag, but when they're old enough to walk, they can actually carry their own diaper bag. Think about that. You don't have to carry it, they can. Yeah. So realistically, when you go out, here's what you need. A diaper or two, wipes, a change of clothes, maybe a blanket and a pacifier, possibly a bottle. Anything else really you don't need if you're going out for just a small errand or like you know even just a social afternoon um you don't need a big fancy diaper bag <laughs> um find one that works for you um but i wouldn't waste the money on a dedicated diaper bag especially if you are a dad who probably doesn't want to be carrying a baby themed diaper bag around Number three, baby timers or baby schedule apps. So they say there's an app for that, and it's probably true. Uh, there's probably even an app for this blog topic. Um, but as we know, not all apps are good, and some are just absolutely downright useless and not worth the few seconds it took to download. 
unless you're obsessive about keeping diligent records, which really, do you have the energy for that right now? You're just had a baby. You can do the same thing as an app with a notebook and a pen. The same notebook and pen just slides really easily into that not diaper bag we just talked about. Here's a couple of my favorite useless baby apps. So uh, the breastfeeding side indicator. Pretty sure you don't need an app for that. Um, if you forget what side you last nursed on, just give the girls a squeeze. You'll know. One will be bigger, fuller. One won't be. Or if that doesn't work for you, just use a hair tie like our parents did. Scrunchie on the left wrist, feed baby on the left. Scrunchie on the right wrist, feed baby on the right. Um, a diaper change reminder. Babies don't like to feel wet, so I'm just going to go out on a limb and suggest that if they need a diaper change, you're going to hear about it long before the app tells you about it. Or you'll smell it. One or the other. Uh, sleep timers. Okay. <laughs> this just makes me laugh. Are you honestly telling me that you're going to count every single minute that the baby is asleep? That's really just setting you up for no sleep yourself. I don't understand why you would obsess about that. Just enjoy the quiet, sleeping bliss of an infant for however short-lived it is. Uh, diaper record. Now, sometimes there are medical reasons to keep a diaper record, but again, pen and paper, easy enough. Um, but there's really no need to record wet or dry diapers and their contents. You know, the only time that I could see that being beneficial is if there was a question as to whether a breastfed baby was getting enough. Um, but again, pen, paper, easy peasy. So yeah, baby's timers, schedule apps, probably not worth it. Number two, um, the diaper genie. So this is something that a lot of new parents absolutely love and they're like, yeah, we need the diaper genie and it's on every registry list. And it does work for some people, but to me, I don't see the point. It doesn't do anything that a regular lidded garbage can does. And maybe that's just because I've been a cat mom for too long, but if I can figure out how to tie off the little bags of scooped poop from a litter box and put them in a regular garbage can, I'm pretty sure I could do it with diapers too. And if you're using cloth diapers, a diaper genie is useless because you can't fit the diaper in there and it's going to just twist the whole diaper into a plastic bag, which eliminates the whole reason for using cloth diapers to begin with. Uh, so diaper genie and the other same style pails are, they seem convenient until you have to buy new bag rolls for it every single time. That gets expensive, the cost adds up quickly. If you are in an area like me, um, I don't even think that you can buy diaper genie or diaper like bag roll things for those anywhere in my town. You'd have to go to the next closest town, which means a drive for about 45 minutes. Um, and the bags, I, I feel like they probably are going to take just as long to biodegrade as a disposable diaper, which is about 450 years. Now, there are some diaper pails out there that are built for cloth diaper use, like the Ubby. Um, and the Ubby, you can put a regular um, drawstring or elastic pail liner, and it's big enough that you can put your uh, used cloth diapers in. Um, but the idea of a diaper genie is so that you put it in and it twists it off so that there's no scent. And I really 
think that it's just an expensive gimmick, truthfully. Buy a set of diaper or doggy doo-doo bags from the dollar store and tie them off every time. Same thing. Number two. I think I must have skipped a number in there. Sorry. Okay. Second to, f- second to first. Newborn size clothing. <laughs> so, newborn size clothing is a fun one. Um, because anybody who's had a baby before will tell you, you get a ton of clothes at baby showers. People love shopping for baby clothes. They love shopping for the little teeny tiny outfits and, you know, oh, they're so cute and they're barely the size of my hand and you have so many of them. And newborns, especially today's age, often are born not fitting into them. It's not uncommon for a newborn to weigh eight, nine pounds and they might only fit the newborn size for a day or two, if at all. You know, um, so resist the temptation. Don't buy several newborn size outfits. If you get them as a shower gift, try to exchange them for a bigger size. Um, experienced parents will tell you they never got to wear half, if not all, of their newborn clothes. Um, as you know, NB Baby is a pre-loved baby store. The amount of newborn size clothing that I get in on a pre-loved basis that's essentially brand new is ridiculous. Um, but, you know, it's useful if you end up with a preemie that needs really tiny clothes. But that's a rarity. Uh, or should be. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is newborn, style, newborn size clothes, really not worth it. Buy one or two outfits just in case. Maybe you'll wear it home from the hospital, but don't plan on wearing them for more than a day or two. Really get most of your stuff in zero to three or three month size and let them grow into it. If you have a ton of newborn size clothing, uh, consider donating them to your local preemie or micro preemie network. Um, you can usually get affiliated with them through the hospital because it's, I will tell you, as someone who did it for my best friend, it is really hard to find teeny tiny clothing that fits a micro preemie or a preemie. So babies that are under seven pounds, it's nearly impossible to find clothing for them of any kind. You know, the big retailers might carry one or two, but they charge like $30 for an outfit. And you, micro preemies are going to be wearing that size for at least a month or two. So if you have them, consider donating them to that. Um, alrighty. And last but not least, number one of the most useless products marketed to parents. I can't finish this list without actually talking about this because from the very first moment that I first saw these, I remember thinking, what a dumb idea. But then I thought, actually, what a brilliant idea. Because from a marketing perspective, it's so kitschy that it's actually lucrative but from a practical perspective <laughs> it's just one of those things that's just going to get regifted and regifted and regifted of course if you haven't figured it out i'm talking about the pptp so these are little cone shaped things they look like little coffee filter cones <laughs> um, but really tiny and it is seriously the most useless baby product i've ever come across so the whole point of a pptp is meant to cover up the penis when you're changing a baby boy so you don't get peed on. 
here's the thing. <laughs> PPTPs, they're usually way too big. They fall off. They don't stay in the right place. And you're going to get peed on anyway. If you're a new parent and you have a boy or a girl. And by the way, I don't actually believe the babies have a gender, so all babies are enemies. Uh, but if you have a baby with male parts, it's going to fall off. You're going to get wet. Just accept it. You're going to get peed on. It's a rite of passage. If you are gifted some of these adorable PPDBs, smile, giggle, tuck it away for the next baby shower you go to, give it to them, pass it on. But really don't waste your money on them because they really are completely, completely useless. So there you have it. 10 useless products for parents that are marketed to new parents. Um, I tried to include a couple ways there of getting around that product or what that product is designed to do and why you don't actually need it to do that. Um, of course, if you disagree with me, please feel free to leave a comment or email us, enbynbbabystore at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. And just be smart. You don't have to spend a ton of money just to have a baby. They're not that expensive. I promise you. Have a great day, and we will talk again soon.